Oh, hi, I'm recording <laughs> an episode of Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. My name is Derek M. Cook, the writer, host, and producer of the show. The song that you're hearing right now is called Heat Wave. It's from the band Los Freneticos. They are an Argentinian surf band, and it comes from their album Teletransportacion. You can find them at losfreneticos.bandcamp.com and check them out. Check out this album. Check out all their albums when you're done listening to this episode of the show. What's coming up this week on the show? Well, we've got a few things going on. First of all, we've got Mark Matsky's Beta Capsule Review and Kenny's Look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Can't go without that. Got a little bit of feedback and we have another recording that took place here in the Argo Man dining room at the Monster Kid Radio base here in Vancouver, Washington. I set up a recorder and set up Chris McMillan and Dominique Lamsey's at my home. And the three of us sat down to talk about a movie, you know, called Fiend Without a Face. You might have heard of it. Or you might know that's what we're talking about because you've read the episode title in the description of the show. But bottom line is, we talked about Fiend Without a Face. It was the last time probably that we're going to have Dominique on the show in that way. Not saying we won't Skype her in at some point, but to actually sit down and do a recording with the three of us together was a real treat. The last time we did it was when we talked about The Creeping Terror. Which movie do you think we liked better? You're going to have to listen to this episode to find out. So we've got all that going on. And yeah, I think that's about it. That's enough, right? That'll get you through a week of Monster Kid Radio. I should just stop talking right now and we should get into everything right now. From award-winning author Stephen D. Sullivan, White Zombie, a new novel based on the classic motion picture. What do you see? Neil asked. Madeline peered into the wine glass, pretending to be a fortune teller. And for a moment, her head reeled. She did see something within the depths of the cup. Terrible dark eyes staring up at her, boring into her mind the eyes of that awful man they'd encountered in the road. You see? She felt dizzy now, really dizzy, and her throat was tight, as if cold hands were closing around her neck. What is it? Neil asked, concerned. The eyes burned into her. She couldn't breathe. I see? She managed to gasp. Death. Available now in print and all ebook formats. Find it on Amazon, Smashwords, Drive Through Fiction, and other quality outlets. Also available in a special edition, including the complete movie script. Grab White Zombie before it grabs you. Details at sdsullivan.com. That is no other way. enemy spy at large, an invisible man. It's, it's amazing. Oh, you will be of great help to us. Who is this terrifying Phantom Commando? What is his amazing mission? See The Invisible Agent, suggested by H.G. Wells' Invisible Man, starring Ilona Massey and John Hall, with Peter Laurie, Sir Cedric Hardwick, J. Edward Bromberg, Albert Bosserman, in the most amazing story of our time. Stop! Steady now. Don't let him get away. 
Derek said that his favorite popcorn is from the Kiggins movie theater. I don't remember what kind of kernel they use. It's been a long time since I've been there, but it likely has a lot to do with their choice of oil and salt. See, you come to Monster Kid Radio for the monster movies, and you're going to learn about movie theater popcorn. How cool is that? Please check out the Monster Kid Radio Facebook page to get in on conversations like that. The Kiggins Movie Theater has got excellent popcorn, but boy do I miss the Joy Cinema's popcorn. I haven't been there since, well, I was there last with Jeff. So, yeah, no matter where you are, go to the movies and get yourself some popcorn. Let us know how it is on the Facebook page. <laughs> Let's start a podcast, or at least a topic or a thread on Facebook about nothing but movie theater popcorn. That's what we ought to do, right? That'd be a valuable use of podcasting time and space and stuff. You know what? I just appreciate Jeff taking the time to break it all down. Next time I'm at the Kiggins, which should be here soon, I'll pay attention and I'll report back about what kind of popcorn it is. Let's stop talking about popcorn now and just get on with the rest of the show. If you are interested in getting your feedback here on the show, well, Monsters in the Machine, let them know how you do it. You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503-810-5657. Or you can send an email to the podcast. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. That's MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com. monkey's head. Is it alive? Oh, yes, of course. All you would need for me would be a brain. A human brain. Well, it's hardly that simple. Buy one. Steal one. I'll do anything. When the brain is healthy, it will never die. For even severed from its body, it continues to live, to scheme, to plot. Look! What's have just happened? For Carl Broussard, this means fantastic power. Now, once again, he can rule everyone and everybody, make them slaves to his venomous will. For inhuman strength, incredible might, unnatural powers, the man without a body will make your blood run cold. For it is without a doubt, without an equal, in thrills, excitement, and unbearable suspense. prophetic than his prediction of space travel in Things to Come. More imaginative than his laser beams in War of the Worlds. More frightening than his warning of nuclear holocaust in The Time Machine. From H.G. Wells, history's most credible prophet, now comes his most incredible story. Empire of the Ants. A terrifying tale of civilization fighting for survival against armies of giant ants. Ten feet tall, who control the human population by drugging them into submission. And man the master becomes man the slave. Joan Collins, Robert Lansing, H.G. Wells, Empire of the Ants from American International Pictures. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Empire of the Ants. 
they shall inherit the earth sooner than you think. Live from the land of light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty ultra heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Frequent accidents involving young visitors at Mount Iwami attract the attention of the Ultra Guard in the 11th episode of Ultra 7, Fly to Devil Mountain. Soga and Dan are sent to investigate and en route, Soga expresses his uneasiness due to the fact that it's Friday the 13th, feeling sure something bad is about to happen. His premonition is proven accurate when Dan is struck by a mysterious beam and apparently killed. Still ridden with grief, the Ultra Guard investigates a tip at a cave at Mount Iwami and encounters a hair-covered alien who flees after killing two policemen with a silver weapon, which is recovered at the scene. Amagi discovers that the weapon functions as a kind of camera that captures and saves the life force of its subjects, meaning that Dan is not truly dead. Back at the cave, Soga confronts Alien Wild, who claims to not be invading Earth, but is instead harvesting the lives of young people for his planet's aging population. Hypnotizing Soga, Wild attempts to retrieve the film from the Ultra Guard, but when Captain Kiriyama hands him an empty canister, he reacts by freeing a flying metal serpent from the mountain, which transforms into a laser beam launching flying saucer. Meanwhile, Amagi believes he has developed a way to reunite Dan's soul with his body. The survival of the Ultra Guard depends on his success. Fly to Devil Mountain is another solid entry by series writer Tetsuo Kinjo. The story excels in its focus on the Ultra Guard, highlighting their function. Ultra 7 could not have saved the day were it not for Amagi's ingenuity and their friendship revealed in their grief over Dan's death and their joy at his subsequent return. The contrast between the cowboy imagery seen throughout the episode and the mecha space dragon employed by Alien Wild is indeed wild and is part of what makes the adventures of Ultra 7 so memorable. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. I'm friends with Mark on Facebook, and I love watching what he and his son Andy are up to. And he's relaunching a podcast. The Sasquatch podcast is coming back. You need to go over to the Small Town Monsters YouTube page to find that and go check it out. Subscribe to that YouTube channel because you'll be notified whenever there's a new episode dropped. What is the Sasquatch podcast? It's a podcast about Bigfoot. Go check it out. Mark, thank you for contributing to this week's episode of the show. Of course, I appreciate you, and you make the show better every time. 
and that an Ultra 7 episode took place on Friday the 13th. Man, it just gave me chills thinking about it. It was awesome. Thanks again, man. Recently, newspapers and magazines everywhere carried an amazing story. Reporters saw Dr. Manley Hall hypnotize actor Lugosi to give reality to a scene in Black Friday. Horror struck, they witnessed the hypnotized actor's mortal agony as Lugosi actually experienced the terror of suffocating to death in a closet. Let me out, please! I'm suffocating! <laughs> sinister hand of science dares a new and dangerous experiment. Into the body of a gentle scholar is grafted the brain of a criminal, and a new and deadly monster is born to ravage an unsuspecting world. Big shot. Yeah, fix it up, will you? How'd you get it? The coppers shot me. It's only a scratch. How'd you get it? Well, don't ride me. It's your fault anyway. Fine. Yeah. We'll take the bucks. Go ahead and shoot. You want to dive 200 feet for it? Keep him covered. of Northern California. Bigfoot, filmed in Bosburg, Washington. Bigfoot, filmed in a beaver swamp. Authentic motion picture footage, never before seen. Now, in the legend of Bigfoot. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today's film, Fiend Without a Face, had a part in Classic FM from near the beginning to almost the very end, and a few spots in between. It all started in issue 2 from September of 1958. In that issue's article, Monsters Are Badder Than Ever, which covered new films coming to the screen, Fiend Without a Face was introduced this way. How'd you like the combination between a scorpion and a spider? As one reviewer described the Fiend Without a Face, And did they mix up the title in your local paper, and call it Friend Without a Face, or Fiend from Outer Space? Another reviewer thought those flying brains resembled winged hamburgers. It must be admitted that when they were bashed by bullets, it looked like ketchup had been added, deep frozen spaghetti was more my idea of it. I bet you didn't know Fiend Without a Face was written before any teenager in the audience was born. But a teenager wrote it. She was Amelia Reynolds Long, a woman still living, who had her story published in 1930 under the title, the Thought Monster. The editor, now dead, described it as a gooseflesh story of the sudden and frightful deaths caused by a strange creature in a panic-stricken village. In the original story the scientist recorded in his notes, I shall create a mental being by the concentrated power of pure thought. As you probably noticed, the story was brought up to date with an atomic background. 
in issue 37 from February of 1966, Fiend was featured in Inside Dr. Acula, Foray's critical review series. It started out with these quotes. The more preposterous a horror film is, the more the audience seems to enjoy laughing at it. Those who seek such pleasure should have plenty of fun at Fiend Without a Face, a wildly gory fantasy. That was the opinion of one fellow reviewer. Another agreed. Easily one of the goriest horror pictures in the current cycle, it oozes and gurgles with grand guignol blood and crunching bones. Story, direction and acting are primitive but the macabre effects will satisfy even the most jaded of the bloodthirsty. The rest of the article was a synopsis, and it never really gives Foy's opinion of the film. Seven years later in FM 99, in a movie list article entitled Blobs, Brains and Other Gooey Objects, we had this short blurb from writer Thomas Rogers. Mental vampire was the term that was used to describe the invisible fiend without a face. Again, there were many more than one, but nobody knew this until the loathsome brain-slash-spinal column creatures were rendered visible. Not only did these crawling killers have strong tentacles, but they were telepathic, intelligent, and they could leap at least 10 feet through the air. Shades of Superman. Their diet staple was, quite obviously, human brains and spinal columns, and they left their victims in a very bad way when they were through with them. The hero, after fighting his way through their ranks, managed to blow up their energy source, which turned the cute little creepies into harmless smelly gloppies. In FM 107, in an article about a 1974 sci-fi convention, excerpts from issue 2's blurb and the Inside Dr. Acula article were combined to relate the showing of the film during the convention. Jumping to near the end of FM's classic foray-led run, we find an article about atomic atrocities, which appeared in FM 183 from May of 1982. Here's what it had to say about today's movie. Fiend Without a Face was based on a short story by Amelia Reynolds Long called The Thought Monster, which appeared in the late, great pulpsing weird tales in 1930. Filmed in England, the story takes place in the vicinity of a US-Canadian airbase located in the backwoods of Canada. A retired scientist, using nuclear power for unorthodox thought experiments, inadvertently creates a new breed of life, invisible creatures consisting of pure energy. The unseen monstrosities commit a series of ghastly murders by sucking out their victims' brains through holes punctured in the base of their necks. When the beings finally take form they reveal themselves as disembodied brains with writhing spinal cords and twitching tendrils. The attack on a remote house and its defenseless occupants at the picture's conclusion is genuinely terrifying, thanks to some expert visual effects. The flying brains were stop-motion models animated by Puppel Nordhoft and Peter Nielsen, Marshall Thompson, Kim Parker and Terence Kilburn starred in this well-done Pulse Pounder, released by MGM in 1958. So that is the history of Fiend Without a Face in FM. And that is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next week. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. of ocean that has terrified man for centuries. How is it related to the mysterious forces of nature that sweep through it? Why do some who fly over it report a strange green haze and bizarre magnetic effects while others simply vanish? And how can these forces affect you? Learn the incredible answers in a new motion picture, The Bermuda Triangle, rated G. Starts Wednesday in theaters and drive-ins throughout Southern California for one week only. Check your newspaper for a theater near you. Trip into a nightmare of evil with Guess What Happened to Count Dracula? He's back from the grave to rule the satanic occult-ridden world of today's mind-blown youth. 
Say it with someone you trust. Guess what happened to Count Dracula will trip you into a blood-smeared torture chamber and you'll never get out. Let me go! Let me go! Let me go! You're my prisoners for eternity to do with as I wish. Don't see it alone. See it with someone you trust. <laughs> you'll plunge into a nightmare of evil, thrills, chills, horror, terror, shock, panic, and violence, climaxing in an orgy of blood and death. <laughs> See it with someone you trust. Guess what happened to Count Dracula is a supreme example of a top-notch motion picture thriller filmed in magnificent blood-dripping color. A shocker with unparalleled violence erupting from the screen to horrify and paralyze you. Guess what happened to Count Dracula will blow your mind. This is the picture that nightmares are made of. If you dare see it, see it with someone you trust. Don't miss it. Coming soon. Guess what happened to Count Dracula. Rated GP. All ages admitted. Parental guidance. This is Count Vlad, but you may recognize me by my more familiar name, Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. In your parlance, you might call these revelations spoilers. You know how the children of the night Ah, I mean monster kids can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned, and don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky Van Helsing. Oh, and I'm recording. Cool. That should be the start of every podcast. Oh, hey, I'm recording. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hello, microphone, staring at us from a tripod. Hey, okay, this is an episode of Monster Kid Radio. This is the second actual recording we are recording in my new apartment at uh, the Monster Kid Radio Vancouver studio. My new apartment. Second time with Dominique, first time in person <laughs> with the man, the myth, the legend, the master behind the shadow over Portland. It's Chris McMillan. You were trying to swell my head, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Hi there. It's Chris. It's Chris McMillan and his amazing mustache. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it is pretty epic. Yeah, it is pretty dope. It's, I'm jealous. And I've seen it before. You've had it for a while, but it's yeah, pretty dope. It, it was my COVID mustache. You know, I'm wearing a mask all the time. It's like, great. No one has to see it uh, as it's growing in and if it looks like, you know. Dude, it looks great. Well, yeah, I'm turned jealous, out good. It turned out good. I'm happy. I, you know, I sit at home and I, I concentrate and I try to force the hair to come out of my face and it doesn't work. <laughs> You're but, trying too hard. I, I, apparently. <laughs> apparently. I need to find me a, a, a Lawrence Talbot to give me a bite or something that I can really poof out. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's what I need. What are we talking about? Facial hair. You have anything to contribute, Dominic? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. So this is a, a time for us to talk about a movie that I saw for the very first time last night. Oh, me too. I guess. Oh, really? Your time geez. for me too? Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. So, uh, as I said on the stream where we kind of sort of watched together when we were just watching YouTube together, I say in your approach, um, this is something that Chris has mentioned to me many, many moons ago. Oh yeah. And it's come up in conversation with other people saying, I want to talk about feet without a face, but because I knew Chris brought it up first, many, many moons ago, like we, we got to save it for Chris. And when Dominique's like, we got to get Chris in to do another recording. I'm like, well, this is the time we're going to pull the trigger. 
after probably seven years <laughs> of getting ready to talk about Fiend Without a Face. And I purposely waited to watch until I knew we were going to talk about it on the show. So I found a copy of it online. It's part of the Criterion Collection. I would love to add it to my permanent movie collection because I bet the Criterion is filled with all sorts of cool stuff. It is. It is. Because um, first time I saw it was the first time or I actually got a card at Movie Madness. Okay. Um, and Local video store here in uh, Portland. Amazing video store. Um, and so I'm looking around. It's like, where am I going? Ooh, being without a face. Because you know, being a monster kid and getting all the books from the libraries, I've always seen the photos of the brain things around Kim Parker or around the, the, the acting mayor. It's like, that's got to be an amazing. So it's like, okay, I took it. Well, put it in the DVD player, watch the whole thing, hit play again, watched it again, hit play again and listen to the commentary. Cause I was just like, this is so cool. This is so much better than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, I had the same thought when I watched it, I was like, wow. Um, I expected the brain monsters to be in it much more than they were, mm-hmm. but the way they didn't show them worked so well. Um, you say that you thought it looked cool when they wrapped around Kim Parker. For me, I had a hard time noticing anything but Kim Parker when she was on screen because she's gorgeous. Sorry, Julie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I was just blown away. That was my initial thought, just how awesome was that? Yeah. But you? So I owe Chris a hearty thanks for bringing this movie into my Yes! Because I needed this movie in my life. Like I'd seen the brain thing because at Monster Bash every once in a while someone has oh yeah like the model of it and I'm like yeah. what is that and it everyone's like oh it's a fiend without a face like, oh okay and then yeah finally we watched and Chris is Chris like when I said okay we need to do one less recording before if we all go our separate ways what do we want to do and Chris was like all caps fiend without a face and I'm like okay we'll okay, <laughs> do this so we'll do this and I actually bought the Criterion I just yeah before I bought the Criterion I didn't watch all of it last night but yeah it's a nice print nice the sound is really good which for this movie is really important it's really yeah. <laughs> and i don't know how they made that sound oh god it's creepy oh, god. <laughs> it's creepy i want to know more about that right the sound guy yeah i i do I, I don't know anything about that but i do know they actually okay when this movie came out in america um because it was made over in, 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 britain. in britain um in Times Square, they had a robot fiend out in front of the theater on a pedestal, in a cage that's on a pedestal that not only would start moving every now and then, but it would also make that sound. It attracted so many people that the police had to come and say, this is, no, you're blocking too much traffic. Take it inside. Really? It's, it's, it's a cool looking little monster, dude, that, that, oh yeah. Um, and I, I'm shocked at how uncomfortable it was to watch them bleed. And then that sound, yeah. Oh my God. Oh God. So it's a black and white movie. So, you know, it's a lot of chocolate or what it doesn't matter what color it is. These things bleed more than a regular brain would. And it's just gross. And it's the sound. Ugh. Well, part of it is when we get to the part where we have all the little brains running around, the little brains are actually expressive. 
Yeah. They have little personalities, and that gives it that extra little punch when they start getting shot. Or two with a hatchet? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we've seen hatchet to brain before in Brain for Planet Eris. We've seen that. But this is just gruesome in a great way. It it was way more gruesome than I thought it would be for, like, 50s minutes. Mm -hmm. Well, um, it had to get cut in Britain and in the U.S. um, And in Britain, it finally got released with the British X certificate. Um, But the funny thing is, this movie got brought up in Parliament. Because the politicians were outraged that British cinema is stooping to the same lows as Hollywood. So that was pre-Hammer. So pre-Hammer's heyday. So right? Because I, I, no, I think it was 58. I think it was 58. So it was pretty darn close to when Hammer was trying to do their things. Yeah. yeah. I could see that. Because, uh, yeah, Curse of Frankenstein was 57. Yeah. yeah. Well, Hammer really didn't turn up the red until the early 60s, I feel like. Well, until Dracula. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay, hang on. I got I I let my uh my because I'll get I've got it somewhere on here. I just let it um Well while you're looking that up and, and to comment on that, I I read that too, that it had had some issues with its release and there were some problems with the gore or the group the whatever. But I'm watching it and about halfway through, you don't see the monsters. You don't see anybody bleed. People die on screen, but you see that in monster movies all the time. And it's it's not bloody. They're clutching at their throat and they're screaming and then they fall over and that's it. That's right. Yeah. They may as well just have a fainting fit. Yeah. 58. Okay. So it's, yeah, post-hammer. So it's right around in that time. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you don't see hardly anything at all. And then... Well, and then what I love is, you know, I mean... Seriously, if they had done it right, they could have made this look like an invisible agent for a while. Right. You know, but then the, but then when the mayor's attacked, before it does, you've got this wonderful, you know, because part of it is, you know, you hear the clock. I'm going to purposely, I'm going to try to find the sound. I'm going to try to isolate the sound and drop it in the show. Yeah. Because I, I don't normally do that, but it's, it's important for this. Uh, and then, you know, there, you know, this invisible thing's knocking things over it's obviously someone off screen, off camera, pulling something, you know, with a wire or something. But then you get to the stop motion yeah. thing where it's going across the spilled bucket of water and, and opening and open that the screen. screen. Yeah. And just, that was, that was, that was, awesome. that was something. I mean, and yeah. all the brains are stop motion. Well, I mean, there's a few out there that are on wires yeah. and stuff, but, but yeah. Toss them in front of the camera, but yeah. still. But there's a lot of stop motion in those things, and it's it's really well done. Well, like you were saying, they're very expressive. Yeah. They, you know, especially when they're trying to get through the boards at the end, and they're trying to figure like you, you can practically see them trying to figure out how to get into the that boarded window. And when oh they, yeah, when they what I think of it is when we get to the Night of the Living Dead portion, right? <laughs> oh, they get they get in the house. And there's one, it does this thing where it curls up over the arm of the couch and you can almost see that has a little expression. And then it jumps out and tries to grab the guy's face. But, <laughs> but it's just like, oh my God, it's just, it had this, this, okay, I'm going to say this because you knew this was coming. It had this cute little, little like thing going on where it's just like, oh, I'm just a cute little brain. <laughs> Never mind. Now, excuse me. I have to suck your brains out. But Dominique, you are doomed if you ever turn up the monster <laughs> movie scenario. You're going to want to give everybody a hug, everything oh. a hug. 
Well, okay. First of all, yes. <laughs> but second of all, I'm not one of those people who's like, I'm going to get the hatchet and I'm going to go in the house and survive. No, I'm going to freak out and run around and scream. I'm going to get eaten by the zombies on the first day. I know that. I'm okay with that. I'm not Rick from The Walking Dead, okay? I'm the woman running down the street screaming in the first episode. I'm okay with that. Well, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and this movie's got, I mean, so many tropes from like that, that 50s sci-fi horror kind of vibe right now. Like, who's the lead actor? Um, um, William Thompson? Marshall Thompson. Yeah. Marshall Thompson. I mean, uh, what do we know him from? Uh, Cult of the Cobra, um, um, it, the terror from beyond space. That's the one I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. But he was also in Cult of the Cobra. Which I haven't talked about here on the show. I should. Yeah. That's a good one. That is. Um, yeah, no, he, Okay, I'm going to say it. He did. He was great in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he really committed to it. Um, the scene in early in the beginning where his the the colonel is like, you know, pulling out. Maybe we should do a bit of the plot first. You know, I think outside of Dominique and I, everybody else already knew the movie. Okay. <laughs> well, that could be. But but bottom line, new form of life is accidentally created, and it likes Sid. It's, it's, it's feeding a radio, uh, radioactive power from a U.S. Army, a uh, U.S. Air Force Base in Canada that's trying to use, that's using nuclear power to beam something up to, to a plane like to expand radar. Radar reach or something like that. Yeah. We got us to get in Siberia from yeah. Canada. Oh, yeah. Um, it, yeah. Is, it is so funny because most of the village people don't sound like they're from Canada. You know, to their credit, though, they didn't all sound your, you know, English either. That's true. Yeah, there were some good American accents. There were. There were some. So yes, there were. But uh, yeah, it's um, so mayhem ensues. Um, but early on, the first victim they find outside of the base, and he's, you know, everyone's worried he's spying on us, you know, because he's got a notepad. <laughs> uh, and then. His sister, you know, is there going, oh, well, I can explain why he's keeping track of times because we're also keeping track of what our cows are doing. Um, it, you know, Marshall Thompson standing there in the background, giving the best, I mean, if he had a prop, you would have figured he was Peter Cushing at that point. Cause he, <laughs> he was feeling that scene. Yeah. Just going, uh, oh, he's in trouble. Yeah. Oh, she's, she's getting them now. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, you got this guy that we know from these classic movies. We've got, of course, the instant falling in love between the male and the female lead, whatever. You've got a whole bunch of science techno babble that makes no sense. When you're and a bunch of stock footage of airplanes. A lot of a bunch of stock footage. And there's even that. And normally in a movie, I'm like, okay, this movie just came to a dead stump. Even that you had that big info dump. Well, let me tell you what's really happened. Yeah. You know, and you got like five minutes of expository flashback stuff. But I was into <laughs> it, man. I was into it. Oh yeah. I mean, the way they did it though, they had, you know, flashbacks and you see how the fiends were created. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, I think it kind of crawled to a halt during the graveyard sequence. For some reason they have a graveyard sequence. Well, yeah, but, but you know, they had to figure out who was behind the fiends. So, okay. We'll okay. go with it. You bring up that I want, I want, I'm going to comment on the graveyard thing, the cemetery thing. And while she and I are now no longer a thing, Brenda used to give me so much grief because of something I said on the mail order zombie podcast many, many moons ago. 
when I talked about how debt bonds are sometimes kept in a, in a, in a sealed tight place to kind of re- retard the, the decomposition, you know, airtight. Okay. Not, not, not like, you know, put them in a Ziploc, but you know, airtight, whatever. He was in a crypt and he was running out of air. It was airtight, darn it. So I'm justified now, right? <laughs> right? Okay. Um, this is important to me. It, yeah. Okay. We'll go. We'll go with. <laughs> You're it. in my house. Okay. I'm not gonna bring up block convenience or anything. We'll go with it. <laughs> they keep corpses in airtight rooms sometimes. Okay. But boy, that must that was a big room, and I, I can't thought that's what the coffins were for. I need coffins. See, Brenda, who's not listening to this. <laughs> All I'm going to say is that was a pretty big crit for him to run out of air in about 30 minutes. But the way they did it was cool. With, with the candle. With the candle. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, that was a nice way to do it. My mind went where I feel it should have gone at that point, where I'm thinking, wow, this is a Dark Shadows moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's only kind of a Dark Shadows moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sleeping around the cemetery, there's a guy who's hiding. No, totally. And, and it's gratuitous crypt, yeah. <laughs> gratuitous crypt. <laughs> That needs to be like a band man or something. I'd love that. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Welcome to the stage. We're doing a script. <laughs> oh, I like it. No, I, 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 okay. It, it's weird to have this random, you know, let's try to be gothic kind of cemetery graveyard scene, but it works. It's, it just, it's of the time. It's one of those tropes that, again, I still think kind of worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it did. I mean, it was, it just kind of, slowed things down a little bit yeah um and i mean the movie's really short anyway yeah yeah so you know i think they had to pad it out with the crypt and a whole lot of jet you know jet footage yeah but they it, but it never it never really felt it. no it did well even the well, let me tell you what's really happening Flash yeah that seat it didn't feel padded it's just like okay we're gonna see some stuff and yeah, I know they're extending the film, but they're actually giving us some interesting story stuff. And the performance of the professor was great. So oh, yeah. He was really good. Uh, do you you have the IMDb listing there, right? Yes, I do. I can find out who it was. Hang on. But even that was a dark shadowy kind of thing where you've got this scientist who's like investigating pseudo supernatural stuff. And- well, that's the thing. Kind of one of the things I like about this movie is that it is half supernatural, half certain. Yeah. Yes. I keep track of all the movies that I watch, uh, in a Google document and I have, uh, a genre listing because I like to keep track of how many classic horror, classic sci-fi. I struggle. Do I put this under classic horror or classic sci-fi? Because it's got both of those elements in here. I used to say the creature was like the perfect one to those two, but this one, I think this does one, it even better. Yeah. This one it does. There's no slide on my creature, but. Hang on a sec. Let me get there. Where is it? Uh, yeah. I'll find the, uh. Name of the, uh, the professor here in a second. Sorry. His performance was great, especially when he was having these little attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, that was well done. Like somebody did some research on what happens when somebody has a stroke or, or something. Yes. Yeah. What it looked like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also love that every picture on the internet, uh, movie database for Kim Parker is her in the towel. Yes. It's, it, which is also on the cover of the, in, in the, in the one shot or the one sheet, the movie post. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it's not her confronting the monster. It's because Marshall Mar- Mar- Thompson just let himself in when somebody was taking a shower. And she's like, oh, yeah. Isn't but, you know, is, is this a thing in the 50s? It seems like it happens a lot of when he's like, oh, your door was open and nobody came. So I'm just going to. So I'm just going to walk on in. 
these people walk into each other's houses all the time in the 50s? What, what is up with that? You know, uh, I don't know. But maybe it's a military thing in this one. I don't know. No, it's a war movie thing. It's... Without people breaking and entering, where would war? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Without people doing things that you normally shouldn't do. Yeah. Yep. And we all know it. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his first name. Kynaston Reeves? Or... Kynaston. Kynaston. Yeah, Kynaston Reeves. Well, he was great. Yeah. Yeah, he he was really good. And when we get to do 1958 in the rallies, I'm throwing his name on there because I really liked it. Yeah. Um, and also, I did like um, um, Marshall Thompson's sidekick, what uh, Terry Kil- yeah. uh, Kilburn. There? As uh, Captain Al Chester. They yeah. had some really good chemistry there. It's just the cast really works. Yeah. Those two were really good. I mean, yeah. when you when the first scene we see those two guys in, you know, the two military guys, you know, um, Marshall Thompson's character is smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee, and popping speed. I know, right? What? Like, oh my God. If you can only do Benzedrine for so long, you need to get some sleep. Yeah, you know, what? I, that's what, that's what his, that's what a sidekick says. Have you tried sleeping? <laughs> oh my God, right? Wow. I mean, it's... U.S. military. Yeah. <laughs> All hopped up on speed. <laughs> <laughs> That was just, mm. I saw that opening and it's like, oh my God, That's right. really? Times were different then. Really? <laughs> but no, I, I really liked the cast. I really liked their chemistry and, and I was quite taken by Kim Parker. I, and I, I don't know why. Um, I mean, yeah, she's an attractive woman, but I was quite taken by her and I want to know more about her as a performer. I mean, she's charismatic and she's beautiful, but. I did see that she's in Fire Maidens from Outer Spin. Yes. Um, uncredited is a Fire Maiden. So, yeah, I don't know. No. I don't know much more about her, but I want to know uh, more about her. She, well, hang on, got it right here. But um, I don't know the exact date, but it's written. I mean, she had a pretty interesting. Um, there we go. Oh, don't tell me I hit something again. Um, she. Entered England as a refugee from Austria in oh. 1945 after being in a concentration camp. Wow. You know, kind of like um, Ingrid Pitt, you know. Wow. Yeah. Um, didn't do a whole lot of movies, though. I mean, she was, it, it was really, she had a really brief career, and it's too bad. She was, she was, she was pretty good. But yeah, Fiend Without a Face, she did some TV. Yeah. Um, she was a fire maiden. And then her last movie was. Was she with Man Without a Head? Yep. Or. Or The Man Without a Body. Yeah. Huh. Um, she was the maid. Okay. I haven't seen that one myself. Oh, that's but, Yeah. Her last, her last role was in 1959. And huh. I don't know, you know, I don't know why. Um, she may have gotten married and decided to. Yeah. Which, it, which happens. I mean, it's happened to Evil and Adam. Saying, uh, even, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, have anchors, anchors. <laughs> Got Julie on the brain, but uh, but yeah, I mean, there's not there's not a whole lot on IMDb for uh, about her. I thought she was awesome. Yeah, she was. That that kind of why are you in my apartment? Kind of yeah, that was that was cool. Yeah, and it, you know, like I said, I think Mark Marshall Thompson did a great job with his role. But oh yeah, the the you know, apparently when the director. Came on the set the first day of shooting. He suddenly, according to the story, he announced that this is not the type of movie I direct and walked off. I, I heard that too. I read that too. That he's like, yeah, this is beneath yeah. me. And then Thompson 
actually directed for a couple of days until they were, they were able to get him back. The director back. Crabtree, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Um, well, and now you know why the British Parliament was all up in arms. It's like, I don't, we don't do this here in Britain, you know. Until Hammer starts making a bunch of money for him. And then they're like, yeah, let's uh, give you all a bunch of awards and knight a bunch of y'all. Yeah. Well, and actually, this, <laughs> the only reason they made this movie uh, was uh, Amalgamated Production, the company making it, um, needed a second feature for the Haunted Strangler, I think it was, with Boris Karloff. Okay. And so this was released as a double bill. Um, it was a lower, lower prediction, the picture too, right? Yeah, the B picture. Yeah, it was, it was the second one. Um, so, you know, surprising that they got so much good animation work. Do you know who did the stop motion? Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, hang on a sec. I can find out. Okay. Well, he's looking that up. Is this the first one to, first horror movie to use the stop motion? No, I don't I mean, think so. I mean, Harryhausen did stuff, but he was not really like horror, horror. But yeah, but yeah. great straight horror. Because I remember a couple of years ago at the Lovecraft Road Festival, they showed Equinox. And everybody was like, oh, this is the first horror stop motion. I'm like, no. no. That. no. And Equinox is fun. Oh, oh I have a lot. Well, you know, while, while, while I'm looking for this, one other interesting thing is this film um, was based on a short story. I saw that too. I want to read the short story. Uh-huh. Um, and apparently the person, I, I have that, um, Amelia Reynolds Long did the original story called the thought monster. And apparently her agent, Forrest J. Ackerman was the one who sold the rights to, for Phil. Of course. Of course. Oh my God. That's great. I mean. Circle ever closed. Isn't that. <laughs> Okay, the two people who were responsible for the um, the stop motion were Lowe Nordhoff and Carl Ludwig Ruppel. Uh, I don't know who either of those people are, but Ryan Legal, if you're listening, uh, if you know anything, because you know more about stop motion than anybody I've met. So uh, hang on, let me get. Yeah, I hit the wrong button. I hate when I do that. The it, it was. This is a better one. Hang on. I'm sorry. I'm bouncing around. I didn't write anything down. Uh, you said you were prepared, Chris. Well, I did it all here. <laughs> Coming to my home. <laughs> um, the two basically were special effects artists out of um, Munich. Um, and they've done, you know, they did uh, First Man in Space where they had, you know, they did a lot of, uh, they were also animators. They were actors, directors, producers. Yeah. Um, I just given the sheer, how good the work was at the, in the last 10 minutes, you know, I'm surprised they didn't do more of that stuff. I, I, I'm surprised that there wasn't, you know, more work for them. Cause I mean, just, just, just to show you how well these guys were selling it, you know, just there is a shot where one of the soldiers steps across the floor on the camera and then a brain plops down behind him and starts crawling around the foot and the leg that you see go by is stop motion. And then they stop motion the brain it. And it was a, I mean, it's, it's a, like three second scene, but it sells the idea that, oh, they're in the same space. Look, there's a guy's leg and there's a yeah. creature. 
you know? And I mean, yeah, the creatures did have personality. I'm still amazed they bled as well as they did for stop motion because, you know, it's not like they shot and, you know, the things just laid there and died. They're wiggling around. And then when the, when the nuclear reactor goes down and they start melting, Mm -hmm. that was amazing too. Yeah. That looked really good. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of great effects works. And I mean, I think that's why they, they, you know, they were able to do it so well because they held off until the end. They yeah. kept them invisible. They did one brief thing, so you know it's something creepy. Yeah. With the mayor attack and, you know, cutting open the screen door. Yeah. But then that gave them all the money they needed to go full out. Um, and by the way, when you listen to the commentary, the producer, uh, forget his first name, uh, but his last name was Gordon, does a commentary. Richard? Richard. Richard, Richard Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. Um, he basically said, you know, cause there's, there's always been, there was rumors that there was a color version of the last 10 minutes. You know, they kind of, the idea was they pulled a wizard of Oz slash I was a teenage Frankenstein slash the return of Dracula where the, you know, at least in, um, Frankenstein and wow. Dracula that they did color for this and the director's like, no, we did, or the producer's like, no, we did not shoot this in color. Cause if we did, there would have been no way we could have gotten it by the censors. We had a hard enough time with, you know, with just the black and white version, which is too bad because, you know, there's a part of me that wouldn't like color, not colorized. Wow. But yeah, he, he shot that down and I was so sad when I heard that. Cause I had, I knew about the rumor, you know, the, the, the legend or whatever. And it's like, oh, that would have been so awesome. That would have been King Kong spider pit. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. But you're right. They, there's no way they could have sold it. They, they would have. Had they to could do. not have gotten the best sensors in any way, shape, or form at that point. They're not even people bleeding or even real things bleeding out, but it is disturbing. And and it sounds like yeah, the sound they make, it's almost like strawberry jam being forced through a hose. No, it's like somebody. Dragging their feet over a gravel oh, no, that uh, has glass. I'm talking, I'm talking the bleed. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, the bleeding was total like last of the ketchup bottle. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's the, the, the movement sound. It's yeah, just. That was, oh. See, the, one of the great things about this movie is they always talk about, don't show the monster till the end. So many movies, they do that, but they always screw it up so there's no tension and there's no buildup. Mm-hmm. And this one, you actually got the buildup because yeah. you saw the stuff moving. And then we had the scene where it's, you know, cutting through the door and tip, tipping stuff over. And then, boom! And, of course, the reveal of the monster was, like, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because the monsters have taken over the, the nuclear reactor at the base and they start becoming visible and first time you see it it's like amazing because realize this is not just a brain this is a brain with a spinal column for a tail like legs and two little antenna yeah <laughs> when you make hard hands. I, 
when you make one of these, I want one. Oh yeah. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, it was awesome. So cute. And it, it pulsed in too. It didn't just like appear. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. just a fade in. It was yeah. to the to the beat sound. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even that beating sound, I mean, there's a little bit of, we talked about the cemetery scene a little bit ago. When he starts banging on the door because he's trying to draw attention, yeah, you hear that thump, 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 and you're like, is it just him on the door or is it one of these things coming? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great fake out. Although that 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 scene kind of got me because she's like, listen, he's like, what? I don't hear anything. She's like, listen. He's like, I don't hear anything. He's like, dude, shut up. <laughs> well, and, then he's like, and then he does shut up and, oh, yeah, I hear it too. Yeah. But that actually came across really well. I mean, it's yeah. not. It's like what you would expect with two people in a graveyard looking yeah. for someone <laughs> at night. You know, it's like every ghost hunting show you ever see. Yeah. Bro, bro, bro. Don't run. Yeah. Um, man, it, it was really good. Chris, you picked a winner. To yeah. This was good. The, the only, the only sour note for me is the very end where they go through a series of double entendres that would make the script writers on Roger Moore's Bond films blush being so bad. Talking about when, uh, his, uh, his commanding officer was like, when you're done, you know, I see you got the situation well with him. When you're ready, when you're done, you, you, just, yeah, it, you know. it, it, there's like. Three people walking by him and each has something rangy to say. And then he reaches out to close the door and he only closes it like two inches. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you knew they were going to get together, but do you have to pull out all that? Right. Oh, that was uh, bad. But, 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 but still good in a way. I mean, no, it was fun. Part of those. Yeah. It's one of those things that you, uh, but one was enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure, they fall in love pretty, or they hook up pretty darn quick, but, you know, they do in all these movies. But I still like, even though it was a very shortened or, or abbreviated version of it, I still like the arc of, you know, they're starting to flirt, and then he says something and upsets her, and, you know, just, well, I like the arc, the journey they're going on. No, he, he walks in on her in the shower. She says, fine, just make yourself at home while I get dressed, and more than a towel. Um, and then the, the, the constable comes mm -hmm. in and says, yeah, you should be back on the base instead of Tom Canton around. And that, of course, brings out the fist fight. Yeah, I was going to say, well, I, I was being generous. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. And even that was shot kind of interestingly. Yeah, it was. It, was, way, it wasn't a typical, yeah. I mean, you know, I've seen it enough now. I could see how they're missing the blows. Right. But still, when you first see it, it's quick. It's to the point, you know, it's done and over real fast. And there's, there wasn't any stuntmen. They, they were doing their own. And it, and it was, like I said, it was literally cut very, because normally you just have like this medium shot of the two and boom, whatever. No, this was pull back fist, cut to a front shot, sway, mm -hmm. cut to reaction. But it's really interesting. Yeah. Though, though. It was really well done. And then of course he does say a few things, but in the end they come together. And it has the situation well in it. Yes. You know, you expect it. It's okay. But like I said, I mean, I think they just went a bit overboard. The dude during the Night of Living Dead sequence at the end who freaks out. <laughs> like, let me out, let me out. Oh, that guy, that's the guy that's going to get everybody killed. Yeah. <laughs> Which again is very Night of the Living Dead. I'm glad it's it, Cooper. And I was so glad it was a dude. Because a lot of times in yeah, the movies, it would have been a chick. Yeah. I'm so glad it was this older guy who's just losing. He, he, he rolled a one. 
I mean, he's, he wants out. And I don't blame him, but he got brain stranded. It's how does that it, work? It, let's be honest. Kim Parker's character, Barbara, is there, which brings Night of the Living Dead into it again, because, but this Barbara's actually pretty active during it. She's trying to get him to calm down and help her pull a desk yeah, in front of the door. Yeah, I Cooper. Mrs. Yes. Cooper? Yeah. 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 But her name's Barbara in the movie, yeah. so, yeah. And you're talking about a living dead scene, so. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, she didn't, you know, she had a moment where someone dies and she's like, uh, but then it hits the fan and she's in the middle of it trying to get, yeah. you know, trying to get stuff done. And it, one gets around her neck. Mm-hmm. And it gets, Twice. And she still survives. Yeah. Yeah. Was, people are helping her, sure, but <laughs> you don't. You didn't see that with any of the others. Mm-hmm. The thing got on snake and the dude's dead. Yeah. She did not die. And I thought that was cool. And I still am stuck on that, them breaking through the boarded up window thing. That was like, oh, so you've got these brains are kind of feeling their way through with their little antennas. And yeah, we said they had the spinal column behind them or whatever. They're not just a dragging it. It's a prehensile it's thing. A it's a tail. They're using it to like kind of wrap around the boards and pull their way. And also propel themselves. Specifically turns around and it grabs it and it starts secreting. There's secretions on the wood and you're like, oh, gross. Yeah. <laughs> and then it starts pulling the wood and then they just come flying in and it's the greatest. Oh, I mean, I know a lot of people. I've heard people say, well, this movie isn't worth watching except for the last 10 minutes. And I disagree with that i i do i'm just agree with that completely yeah, you need it, that lead up because it's all good up. it's it's you know like i said it's it's well done for what it is a really short b movie that was supposed to follow that followed a boris karloff film that everyone thought would be the big draw they were wrong it was the fiend right you know the it, fiend be- it was, was supposed to be in the makeout movie and then you have the last 10 minutes where you have to pay attention yeah, no. but but people were more interested in the fiend than they were in the haunted strangler, with Boris Karloff. Yeah, you know they figured Karloff, name drop, we got it. Let's yeah. just do this thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this was this was solid. And so I was I was on another podcast this morning <clears throat> for an episode that'll drop probably in May. He's not one hundred percent sure, but we were talking about horror uh, gaming. It was uh, Tom Greganis's Go Forth and Game podcast. Uh, Steve Sullivan and I were on there talking about horror games and, and all that. And Tom started the conversation by asking about how do you define horror in like a gaming kind of thing? And, and you know, I kind of went a little bit more broad with that. It's not just the flashy monster show up and attack. It's that sense of dread, that, that long period of we don't know what's going to happen. And I mean, that's another one of this movie's selling points. It's, it's not just the flashy, you know, bit at the end, you know, you got that long sequence with the sound and the, oh, yeah. And, and the corpses that you can't see anything wrong with them, but they're dead and nobody's allowing them to do an autopsy. And why? And just, mm, you need all of that. Because we, we can sit here and we, we know what the monsters look like going in. Cause they all, we've seen them and everybody talks about them. But, but yeah. back then, no, did I, they release the monster? I mean, apart from having, well, I'm just kind of sort of on the poster, but yeah, uh, you don't really, not in context. Well, yeah. And not only that, let's be honest. I mean, I'm sure if you saw the poster, you know, you're thinking they're just pulling these things on a string. Yes. No, so no, no, more than that. no, no. The tails are pushing them along. You know, I mean, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're inchworming their way towards things. And maybe you can see a wire or two during the, uh, the bit where they come flying through the window, but it happened so quick and we're watching it now with a semi-critical. Mm-hmm. 
back then, man, that, that well, it's so well. Your, your first time viewing, yeah, you know, I mean, I remember watching it. And I'm like, I, I didn't care about the wire. I didn't even see it. It was like, wow, here it comes. It's like the wires in War of the Worlds. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even back then, they didn't notice it. So. Well, you know, I mean, film's a little different than DVDs. Yeah. Those, it those, was more forgiving. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing Mothra in 35 millimeter at the Hollywood theater. You didn't see a wire except for once. Yeah. Uh, you know, just the way the film brain works or something, from what I understand, they figured out how to use it to hide wires real well. Mm. But then you put it on DVD and clean up the image. You clean up the wires. Yeah. You know, for, for all the grumblings we make about Lucas and the special editions, at least he got rid of some of the, the weird matting that happens around the spaceships in space. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just, it's. See, see, to me, that's the true artistry, though, the true craft is that they know what they're working with. So they work around how the film will not show the wire or whatever. And it, uh, yeah, this movie is one of my favorite movies we've, I've watched for Monster Kid Radio. I would put it up top 10 discoveries from MKR for me. Um, I loved it, man. Told you it was, told you it was worth it. Was it worth waiting seven years or so to watch? <laughs> I don't know that you tell me. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I watched it last night in prep for this. I'm glad I watched it kind of sort of with a crowd because we were watching YouTube together on the Twitch stream, um, air quotes. And yeah, this was, this was good, man. I didn't even notice or care or even bring up the music. That's how much I like this movie. Yeah. I don't think there was a whole lot of there music. I'm sure there was some, but no, yeah. whatever. This well, one was so important in this one and they made such good use of silence. Yes. In this movie. Yes. And, you know, I mean, I know there's music when they're flying the jets. You're the standard mi <laughs> military, military stuff. Yeah. It probably came with the stock foot. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I don't, you know, you, I don't remember much music in it. It was more the sound work, you know, yeah. all the eerie, icky sounds happening, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was a big fan. Um, I would highly recommend this. This, this criterion is going on my wish list immediately. Is this still out on Criterion? Well, you said you just bought it. Yeah, so it's still available. It, yeah, it's still available. Sometimes Criterion goes out of print, so that's good to know. Well, I think this is one where they just, you know, they don't have to worry about giving up the rights on it, probably. <laughs> I, I don't think it's so. Not quite. I don't I, think so. I did some research on that. Uh, oh. I found the name of Roy Frumkus, I believe is how his last name is pronounced. Says he has the rights to it. Now, I don't know anything about him. He's not a Wade Williams type, so for all I know, it's legit. Apparently, he was going to even try to do a remake at one point, but yeah. it didn't work out for whatever reason. I assume he still has the rights to it. I did send him a friend request on Facebook. He hasn't responded yet. It's Roy for listening. Um, <laughs> but I don't think it's public domain, although it does have some of the trappings of some of our favorite public domain monster movies from the 50s. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's public to me neither. Um, God, I wish it was. Oh, I'd show it all the time. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, if you get, hopefully he, hopefully this guy who owns the rights, um, is making enough money by people buying the DVD for Criterion that he's going to let him keep it for a while. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's, you know, he licensed it out to them and I would love to see this on the big screen. I'm, I'm really, oh, my God. God. I would love to see it on the big screen. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're lucky in that we live in an area that's brought in a lot of movies on the big screen. Sometimes it's you know, just a DVD projected on screen, and sometimes they'll bring in a nice restored thing, like with World of the Worlds at the IMAX or, you know, some of the stuff we've seen at uh, 
at the Hollywood or whatever, yeah. or the Joy Cinema show on something on Blu-ray. That's great. It's awesome. I would love to see this on the big screen. I oh, that would be amazing. Oh, that would be so cool with a decent with with a decent sound system. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We don't need it remixed into Dolby. Oh, oh God, could you imagine that if they had surround sound on that? Oh, oh my God. Oh, 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 God. oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I almost want to do like a fan version of that and like throw the audio into something and kind of, you know, change the channels up a little bit. So when it's on the left, you hear really, no, just on the big screen would be good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. That, that Night of Living Dead sequence in particular would look amazing on the big screen. It would be. When the thing drops down through the fireplace. And then spins around. I mean, yeah, these things are, you know, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, I got to tell you, it's not a bunch of guys with strings pulling up. No, it's not. This is really well done stop motion. I would put this up against any stop motion from the 50s. I really would. And I, I. Terry Housen's a master, yes, and he did feature-length films and made creatures as opposed to monsters. But these things are good. Yes. They are really good. It's solid work. I, like, if Harry Housen made a flat-out horror film, this is what it would look like, I feel like. Well, yeah. the thing is, they're not like, okay, if you look at, like, the Black Scorpion. Yeah. Well, that's pretty big, and it's just, so the motion is kind of limited. These are really small and fussy. Yeah. So making those things like when the little spine curls up, but the little yeah. legs and the antennas, that's all little, little fussy stuff. Yeah. And you know, there's no, no slide against Black Scorpion. I love Black yeah. Scorpion. That's a little bit bright. It's a nice film. Yeah. But, you know, it has very specific joints, you know, yeah. in, in, in the effects. This is an organic, squishy brain yeah. with uh, an organic, squishy, secreting spinal cord with very exploratory antenna. It's. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, they shoot them and these things don't just roll over. No. They're twitching around. I think yeah. one of them takes two shots. Yeah, one of them's like trying to get it away or move on. It's like, dude. Or no, <laughs> it was in the, in the, they were trying to shut down the new yes. reactor. Yes. And it, sh and they shoot the thing and it starts crawling to turn it back on. And they're like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These, these were, oh. no, they're, it's. Brilliant work. I wish I wish the effects people had done more. Mm -hmm. it, 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 I know stop motion takes a lot of work, so maybe they're just like, we're not doing that again. But you know, it's oh, it's so good. Yes. So when I, I I don't I don't think they had a problem with that because they were there. They were also involved in some animation. Right. Right. So they know it's time consuming. You know, and this did not look like they were just trying to rush through it. This, they took their time and they were careful. I want one. There's a question in the classic five. What prop do you want from a mind? I want one of these. Oh yeah. I want a feed without a face. I want the promotional feed without would. a face. I'm going to talk and make, oh man, oh, <laughs> make it look all glistening with some, oh. I do want to see what it would look like in color. I am going to run it through some colorization stuff. I know it's not the same, but I, I, I'm just curious to see what it looks like. And yeah, I, I want to see. I, I have I have some software, and I'm, I've been given some leads on how to get my hands on some stuff. I will see what it looks like because I would love to know. Yeah. I got to say, this is I've got a couple of lobby cards from this movie. Those, those are probably in color. Nope. No? Black and white. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I was telling you earlier, cause when I boo my location, I lost 
wall space, but I gain window space. So it's a great trade-off. Right. But those two are not going into a binder <laughs> anywhere. Those are, those two are staying out. Yep. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't have I'd love to get my hands on lobby card, one sheet, promotional art. Do they have the brain on them? No. Okay. Um, I mean, they, they really, believe it or not. Well, they probably didn't want to get. One was a lot of the times they do though, like with monster Peter's blankets, they're like, Hey, look at our monster, you know? (laughs) Well, okay. Um, I don't know if there are ones out there with, with the brains, Mm -hmm. um, but the one, the two I have, the first one is actual bit from the movie where the, um, spoiler, um, the professor dies and Kim Parker's against the wall and everybody else is looking out the window going, oh my God, um, just before the night living did attack. The other one is obviously a publicity still because it's Kim Parker in her shower. Okay. But it's <laughs> obviously a publicity because she's posing for it. Mm-hmm. Um, did you read the, a, Did you read the bit where supposedly the director asked her to do that nude with just the towel as opposed to her wearing a bathing suit I underneath it? I did not read that. Yeah, I read somewhere that she like refused to do it without wearing a bathing suit underneath the towel. Like the director was like, no, you got to be naked under there. I don't know if that's true or not, but I wouldn't put it past anybody in the fifties asking her to do it. Well, I wouldn't either. And let's be honest, this guy walked on set first day and went, I'm leaving. I don't do this stuff. And then yeah. convinced back. So obviously he's not a good guy. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. You hear stories. <laughs> yeah. No, I did not hear that one. Um, wow. That's rude. I, and I can see why she wouldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, that's a short towel. It was. Yeah, uh, I just, mm. it's, it's a good one. It, it's a really good one. It's a, it's a great one to kind of go out on with, with the last live Dominique in person for a while, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Recording Dominique, who's, who's leaving the Pacific Northwest for the Rocky Mountain area. Yeah. For some reason, she's going to. Colorado. But... So you don't have to go there to get high anymore. You can do that anywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> Legally. We're going to miss you, Dominique. Yes, we are. I'm going to miss you guys too. Aww. Yeah. Well, we still have Facebook. We still have Facebook Messenger, all that. Yeah. yeah we'll still be in touch and there's a chance that we'll run into each other at conventions and festivals anyway. Yes. Um, but no, I'm, I'm glad we did this in person as, as kind of like a, a really good one, as opposed to like, you know, the unknown creepy terror or whatever. This one. <laughs> hey, that's you. We're team creeping terror over we, here. We are. So am I. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> I mean, like Manos better, but you know, I get it. I hear you. Well, it's hard to make an argument, which is. Okay. This is better. where we're at. You guys, this is where we're at. We're arguing over which is better. Manos or the-, the creeping. <laughs> this is where we're at in life. Listeners. Let me know. Email me <laughs> at gmail.com. It's old time. Yes. <laughs> okay. All I'm saying is that you can hug the creeping terror. You can't vote Torgo. You could. Well, you better be ready to get his fingers in your hair. If you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, there is that more like, wow. I remember everything you did to yeah. him. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Why? <laughs> okay. Oh. I'm going to go back again to the dad because I got two more things I want to say about Fee Without a Finger. Please do. Okay. So, <laughs> shout out to the fact that there was a Hanford nuclear power plant reference. Yes, there was. Which is, which is local to us here in Oregon. And also, 
my grandfather did some of the inspections when it was being built. Okay. And I have six toes on one foot, so the family joke is that because he did that stuff at Hanford, I got. I did not know that about your feet. <laughs> I was not aware of that, but. Okay. Good on you. Check. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. How hard are you fighting the temptation to say prove it right now? I'm not. I, well, I, you're I, a better I, person than I am. I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to let that go and just, just have the mistake. Do you want to see how tape? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> okay, two. This is the important question. This is the important question. You ready? Mm-hmm. So, feet without a face sucks out your brain and your spinal cord, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens if the fiend without a face Sucks up a takeaway. I was good. I was like, she, she that is the first movie we need right there. That is the versus movie we need. Like, style, my guy. That was she. I got a question. It's like I knew she's gonna bring up the takeaway. That's <laughs> that is. That is the versus movie wow. we need. God, yes. But, wow. That how would, would that? Be, oh man. See, amazing. No slight against people who do this, but I don't write fan fiction these days. But now. <laughs> that could be very, very interesting. <laughs> could it suck up the tingler? Would the tingler poison it? Would the tingler like jump on the brain's face? Brain's face? Would would the tingler <laughs> brain's face and air quotes? Would the tingler, if it's ingested into the brain, pop out a la alien? Alien, right? Man. Yeah, you know, like a super tingler fiend hybrid. It could be like, like alien versus predator, but with tinglers and fiends without and, and better. <laughs> oh my god Ooh, a where feet I want to be in that movie I, I just want to see Marshall Thompson and Vincent Price team up oh, oh my god, god. oh man there has to be an alternate earth where that happened where that happened dude it's happening now in my head I, I know. <laughs> can you imagine if it was produced by william castle oh god oh, god. <laughs> oh my god oh my god i'm in i'm in oh the nasty god. wife leaves vincent price and marries somebody somebody <laughs> marries the, the doctor who made the who made the fiends because <laughs> she's because she's evil and she's a money and she's a money <laughs> yeah i'm ammo oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be something right? i still want that now right we 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 should write some fan fiction all right i'm thinking my brain is whirling i i know there are some listeners who do write some fan fiction so mm. i i'd i'd read it <laughs> wow that would just that would be amazing, and that's that's why we need this movie and the Taylor to be in the public domain, so we can see that story and make it our own. And say, oh, <laughs> yep, yep. Ah, Dominique wins. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that one. There's nothing I can say that's good top that. I, I got nothing else. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, let's 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 wrap this uh, this up because I'm spent now. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so Dominique is leaving. She's going to Denver. If you are going to be in the Colorado Springs area, I will be at the uh, Oddities and Bazaar Expo in Colorado Springs on on the last weekend of April. Okay, so All right, I'll find a link for that and put it in the show notes. We're just stuck here. Yeah, I know. But at least I'm closer to the Hollywood Theater now. That's right. Chris just went for a move as well. So all three of us, man. Yeah. I mean, for the record, I did it first. But, well, you know, okay, we, just, yeah. we were copied. Yes. 
We were following your lead. I'm a trendsetter. <laughs> or something. But yeah, I, I, I haven't shut down anything. Uh, Shadow of reporting.blogspot.com is still up and going and uh, back on schedule. Yay. Because <laughs> it kind of was hit or miss there for a while while I was you, packing. You had stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Real life gets in the way, man. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. As we all know. Yeah. But if you want to know anything about what's going on in the horror and genre community up here in the Pacific Northwest, check out shadowoverportland.blogspot.com. Uh, link in the show notes, of course, to that as well. Chris does a great wrap-up and makes me wish it was easier to get to places like Vancouver, B.C., because he will post things about that area as well, as well as other parts of Washington that I can't get to very easily. But if you're in other parts of Washington, check it out. You know, we just have to hold out because they are talking about that bullet train. I would love for there to be a bullet train. Oh. Then we could go hang out with Dominique easily. Well, no, it's only it's only going to go to Seattle and then Vancouver, B.C. Oh. It doesn't. But still, apparently, Billing it. Seems like every, when I look on your site, everything is, oh, it's in Bellingham. Oh, it's in Bellingham. Oh, there's, there's, yeah. there's a bunch in Bellingham. Yeah. Uh, the Pickford Film Center, they were doing their, um, they did several of them this yeah. past couple of months. So, yeah, it's all over. Th things are starting to pick back up for, for us horror kids and monster kids and all that, which mm -hmm. is great. I hope continues, things continue to stay safe and, and open. And, uh, yeah, things are getting back to, to normal. Um, the later this month, uh, Laura, uh, the King and Standard, starring Vincent Price, speaking of which, part of their film noir series. It is not this Monday, but I'll leave the next Monday. Pretty sure it's next Monday. Um, I don't remember. But I will make sure there's a link to that in the show notes as well, and I'll mention it at the end of the show during the outro if I remember. Uh, anything else? I think that's it, yeah? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Right. All right. Thanks for having me on. Having us, yeah. Of course. That's it. <laughs> That's all. We done. <laughs> wait, wait. You can hear that? I don't hear anything. <laughs> A world famous scientist, greatest living master of the occult, has mysteriously vanished. In his place, a huge and fearsome prehistoric monster suddenly appears. What happened to Dr. Waterman? Only one man, last to see him alive, knows. And now he finds himself in deadly peril. The weird, the unbelievable, the supernatural come alive before your very eyes in Equinox. The invisible barrier between good and evil, between light and the forces of darkness. What is the secret of the thousand-year-old book? See four teenage boys and girls fight a devil cult for their lives, their sanity, their eternal souls in Equinox. In supernatural color. Within three days, the dead will destroy all the living. I am from another planet outside your galaxy. I'm sorry, I, I just don't understand. Unless Earth surrenders in 24 hours, we will begin a mass invasion. 
We are invisible. We are invisible, Adam Penner. You cannot see us. From outer space come the invisible invaders, living dead men threatening to destroy all life on Earth. are at the end of the episode and i'm just now realizing my pop filter was not up in front of the microphone hopefully the previous however many minutes of the show turned out okay i don't know if i really have time to go back to re-record this because i do want to get this episode out before late friday night early saturday morning because well that's when the stream is coming out is on saturday we've got a new movie stream happening on Twitch at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. What are we going to be showing this weekend uh, for free on Twitch? Well, I think we're doing vampire movies. Now, I had a request to do kaiju films. However, there aren't a lot of kaiju films that are in the public domain. I could do another Gamera-thon, and I've done Gamera-thons in the past, but I really like to try to do things a little differently. I don't like to just repeat something that I've done whole cloth. I don't mind revisiting certain movies but I don't want to just do another rerun of a marathon. So if anybody has any ideas for kaiju or giant monster movies that we can show on the stream, specifically we're looking for movies that are in the public domain, I am all ears. Drop me a line, let me know, because we're going to program next Saturday's stream to be nothing but kaiju and giant monster movies. I'm looking for independent movies as well, of course. So if you're an independent filmmaker or know any independent filmmakers that have done kaiju films, or even fan films involving the kaiju, I would love to show that as well. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. This Saturday is vampire movies. Next week is kaiju movies. The week after that, we're doing some Mexican monster movies. It's going to be a good time. I'm excited about programming that stream. But first, let's get this episode done by letting you know that we're at the end of this week's episode of Monster Kid Radio. Big thanks to Mark. Big thanks to Kenny. Big thanks to everybody who wrote in, everybody who is listening, everybody who is restreaming, retweeting, reposting, resharing, regurgitating, recycling this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Thank you for helping to spread the word and letting everybody know about what we do here at Monster Kid Radio. MonsterKidRadio.net is our homepage. It's where you're going to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio, all the links to everything that we've talked about here on the show, even a place for you to pick up your own copy of Fiend Without a Face, from the Criterion Collection, please, if you're going to buy it, consider using that link because we are an Amazon affiliate and it helps us out a little bit here at the show. All of the funds that come in from the Amazon affiliate, the Patreon, and everything else that we do that's Monster Kid Radio specific goes into the production and support of Monster Kid Radio. There are some costs that come along with the show, so that's why I'm always pushing new shirts at the Tee Public Shop or Patreon or doing donations or the coffee contributions during the stream. Everything helps to keep this show going, whether it's paying for our hosting space or helping me just kind of maintain the machinery, the equipment, and my own sanity as we produce this show every single week. It is a weekly show, which means there's a new show coming out next week. Can I tell you what's going to be on the show next week? No, I have no idea. Uh, I have some ideas. I need to reach out to some folks. 
but I'm not sure yet. So stay tuned. I'll probably announce on Facebook first what the new episode will be. And then if there's time, I'll try to make sure to drop it over at monsterkidradio.net, of course, because I want you to know what's coming. One of my favorite things that happened recently on Facebook is all the people that said that they went back to rewatch The Old Dark House before listening to last week's episode of the podcast. So if I can give you some heads up about what's coming up, maybe you can watch the movie ahead of time if that's something you're into before you listen to the new episode of the show. I do have a list of people that commented on Facebook that they want to be on the show, so I just need to dip into that list and find some new guests and find some time, and we'll make some more podcasting happen. Either way, make sure you come back here next week for even more monster goodness. Between now and then, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Heat Wave. That is copyright 2019. Los Freneticos, it's on their album, Teletransportation, came out in 2019, like I said, and you can find it at losfreneticos.bandcamp.com. Check it out. Let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. My name is Derek M. Cook. Talk to everybody next week. Ciao.